Welcome to the podcast of Seven Rivers Villages Church in Wildwood, Florida. We are a multi-generational community of grace on mission, and you are always invited to join us online or in person. Learn more about us at sevenriversvillages.org. My name's Mikey. I uh, do student ministry at Seven Rivers in Lacanto, uh, which is a lot smaller than the villages. Uh, do you guys know that the villages is the fastest growing metropolitan area in the United States of America? Are you guys aware that this, like, it's like the secret in Florida, I think, in some ways that people are like, I'll tell people, like, have you heard of the villages? Like, no, no, no. And I'm like, well, it's the biggest metropolitan area, you know, in, in the country, and people are like, what is it? The villages. It's like where, where everyone uh, goes to have fun, golf, right? Uh, I've just gotten into golfing, by the way. Um, terrible. Absolutely horrible. Uh, I went to the golf course. Apparently, you're supposed to wear a polo or collar, and I was told that I couldn't be there, but they still let me uh, go to the range and then I'm learning, okay? I'm learning just the proper, you know, attire. Um, I'm not even sure if I have the right clubs. Um, but I am, the reason why I'm getting into golf is because of, um, it's, it's the sport that you can play. You know, I was, I was in the dent, I was at the dentist, and there's all these, um, maybe some people in their 90s coming in, and they were talking about how they were playing golf the other day. I was like, all right, maybe this is the secret uh, to living long is is playing golf. So I, this is this is this is kind of how my mind works. So um, I do student ministry. I'm married to Emily, and I have two boys, Trip and Luke. I have one coming in September. Uh, it's very hot. My wife's having a hard time with the heat. Uh, we are um, actually so much so. Maybe this is TMI, but we're not even <laughs> sleeping in the same room because it's so hot. Um, she's sleeping in the guest bedroom where the AC is better. Um, I actually think it's where I'm not, so that's why she's chosen uh, to do that. So, uh, but anyways, uh, I yeah, we're 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 in it right now, and um, hopefully, um, in in about two months, we'll we'll have another little baby boy. So I'm uh, excited about that. We'll have three boys uh, on our way to a basketball team, um, and. Hopefully, uh, yeah, I was, I was hoping for a girl, but, you know, it, God gives uh, what he gives, I guess. And so here I am, uh, three boys. All right, so we're going to be in Proverbs 3, uh, verses 5 through 6. And the reason why I'm doing Proverbs uh, is actually because in two weeks I'm going to be preaching at Lacanto campus. Uh, and so I was like, this would be a great guinea pig, you know, experiment. <laughs> and uh, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, you guys let me know. So our lives, they're like uh, full of decisions, winding paths. We come to forks in the road all the time. How do we know um, in in those moments uh, which way to go? And then uh, I was looking up some stats. According to a study in 2013, you make in a day 35,000 decisions. Now, you're like, wait, that's crazy. Well, you're making decisions right now, like, to listen to me or to not. Uh, you know, so those are just, like, happening constantly. Decisions to look at your watch, you know, you, I mean, all kinds of things. You're probably thinking about what's for lunch. Uh, and, and constant decisions are being made. This may sound absurd, but also you make, in a day, this, this makes sense for me because this is my idol, we make 226.7, according to Cornell University, decisions on food. Uh, so, 
I don't doubt that some of you guys are actually thinking about what's for lunch and uh, what, if you're going to stop by Publix on the way home. But I definitely feel this. 226.7 uh, decisions on food. You should see Emily and I, my wife, try to make a decision on what we're going to eat. I'm sure when I leave here, I'll get on the phone and be like, what do you want for lunch? And she'll be like, I don't know. What do you want? And I'll be like, I don't know. What do you want? And then I've learned, though, I just say what I don't want because she's always going to say no to the first thing I say. So I'm like, this is, I just offer her, let's go to Taco Bell. And she's going to say no, because I don't want Taco Bell. And I'll be like, perfect, now we're going to actually talk about. So, yeah. It's been a source of many arguments um, where we're going to eat. I loathe, I hate making decisions. Uh, to make a decision is in some ways to cut off all the other decisions and opportunities. Uh, what if I make the wrong choice? What if I, um, you know, do something or set in motion uh, these series of events, the butterfly effect, where I end up ruining my whole life and we can pinpoint it back to the moment I decided to come to the villages uh, and preach. Um, I don't know. I have no idea. The decision uh, making process is so crippling, especially for younger people I've noticed, and, and those are mostly like high school, college age kids that I work with. Uh, we, we get so crippled by it and paralyzed by it. I mean, full of anxiety and worry about our future. Um, and, I, and I wonder if it, that's because there is so much opportunity. Um, we're kind of crippled by just this like vast amount of opportunity that we have, vast amount of options for college, vast amount of options for jobs. Um, you know, this is, can be so paralyzing. And one of the things that I was talking to one of our pastors um, in Lacanto, his name's Adam Jones, um, he was sharing with me um, about a time when he was in hospice with someone who was nearing the end of their life, and they were so worried um, and so anxious um, that they actually had regrets that they hadn't made enough of their life. They hadn't made enough decisions. They, 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 they shared with them that they just spent life being so worried and anxious that they never actually did anything. They just kept it safe and chose to do nothing. Uh, we would call this passivity. And in a world uh, with anxiety and passivity, we are overwhelmed when it comes to making decisions. The young folk, they call it you guys just know it as being normal, but we young folk call it adulting. I don't know if you've seen this or you have kids who say this. This is really annoying. Like, come on, people are like, I'm so tired of adulting. I'm like, listen, that's just being a human being, you know, deciding what you're going to eat for lunch and dinner. You know, I mean, these are just common things. What time are you going to wake up? Like, why is this exhausting you? You know, like, we got we to gotta step it up here. So to just do something can become so terrifying uh, can be absolutely terrifying to people because what if, what if you miss out on something? Um, a pastor in our denomination shares a story in one of his books about when he was a young guy, he asked his grandfather, how did he know that he wanted to marry his grandmother? His grandfather said, well, she was cute. She was around. She, was, she liked me, and I liked her, and she loved Jesus. And so he said, why not? Kevin D. Young in his book, Just Do Something Writes, in his response to passivity. I'm going to read this quote to you. Um, he's also a PCA pastor. He says, go marry someone, provided you're equally yoked and you actually like being with each other. Go get a job, provided it's not wicked. Go live somewhere, in something, with somebody or nobody, but put aside the passivity and the quest for complete fulfillment and the perfectionism and the preoccupation with the future. And for God's sake, start making some decisions in your life. If you're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you will be in God's will. So just go out and do something. When it comes to making decisions in life, seek first God's kingdom, 
seek wise counsel, and then in faith, trust the Lord and do something. Trust God with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And he will be glorified in your decisions. Whether they're right or whether they're wrong, God will make all of those things right in the end. So the writer of Proverbs is, is Solomon, son of David, and he writes Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. And if you're able, would you stand with me? I'm going to just read it to you. Uh, and I find this proverb to be one of the most helpful proverbs in being able to guide us in making decisions. Solomon writes in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. You can take a seat. So what's, what's, what's key to making decisions? It's right there in, in verse 5, the first word, trust. Trust who though? Trust God. Lean on him. It is trusting that God is in control and that he is sovereign. Look in verse 6, that as we trust in him, it says he will make straight your paths. Even if you make a poor decision at the fork in the road. He will make those right. If we trust in him, if we lean on him, he's in the business of making all things new and redeeming us and this world. So what does trusting God look like? If you have a sermon notes, if you like to do that, this is, this is the time. Uh, first point is seek God's kingdom. Uh, the first way that you can start your decision-making process is by seeking God's will. In Matthew 6, uh, verses 31 through 33, if you want to turn there, you can be turning there. Jesus is speaking to a great crowd that is gathered to hear him speak. This is the Sermon on the Mount, the, the famous sermon. And he's talking about anxiety and worry. And what does he say about these things, about anxiety and worry and fear? Look there with me, Matthew 6, 31 through 33. It says, therefore, Jesus says, therefore, don't be anxious asking what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all but seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you and Jesus says keep the kingdom of God at the forefront at, as the target if the kingdom of God is your ultimate goal and desire uh, that's how to make a decision I've seen a, a lot of Christians fall into this trap, though, of like trying to f do these weird things where they try to figure out God's will. Uh, maybe you know people who are like, I will, if God, if you want me to do this, you need to make it rain right now. Okay, cool. I'm going to Chick-fil-A. No, I'm not going to Chick-fil-A today. Dang it. It's closed on Sundays. Uh, but no, yeah, we do these little tricks with God of trying to figure out his will and, and, and kind of play with chance and kind of see, see what, what, what does God want us to do. But I want you to not be fooled. God's will is not a mystery. It's not hidden from you. It's not something that's undercovered and you have to like do you know, a certain ritual or do a certain thing or you, know, uh, you have to get on your hands and knees and, and do, you no, know, you don't have to do, it's, it's not hidden. Actually, some of you guys are holding it right there. You can know God's will just in plain English with the Bible. Right there, translated for you. God's, God's desires, God's mission, what he wants to do, what he wants to see happen. It's just right. It's, it's right there. And even in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul says, and he asks, he asks you and I this, don't you know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells inside of you? 
the author of Proverbs Solomon, when he takes the throne, he's addressed by God in a dream. God comes to him in a dream. He's, he's just a child. He's, David has passed, and Solomon takes the throne, and God speaks to him to, in a dream. And in this dream, God comes to Solomon, and he says, what do you want? And I will give it to you. And so Solomon could have asked for anything. He could ask for more money, more wealth, more land for his enemies to be destroyed, to be able to live a long, long time. But you know what his request is? It's in 1 Kings 3, 7 through 9. If you want to turn there, Solomon in this dream, in 1 Kings 3, 7 through 9, his request in response to what God's saying, what do you want? He says, God, you have made me your servant king in the place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or to come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? In verse 7, Solomon confesses, I am just a child, but I've been called to be king. And I have to make decisions. I don't know what to do. He comes to God and says, I don't know what to do. And then in verse 8, he asks God to give him understanding in his mind so that he can govern God's people and that he can be able to discern what is good and what is evil. What does Solomon seek after? He seeks after God's will, God's wisdom. And he confesses that he doesn't know, but looks to God to show him the way. Stephen just brought up the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, verse you know, 9 through 10. It starts off, um, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But then in verse 10 it says, Jesus says, pray like this, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's Jesus teaching us? What, what do we learn from Solomon here? When it comes to making decisions, trust in God. Lean not on your own understanding, but lean on Scripture. Lean on the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you and pray through the scriptures and open it up and ask God to speak to you and just wait and listen to what he says and what he reveals. This is the first point of making a decision. Seek God's kingdom. And as you seek God's kingdom, also ask for wise counsel. That's the second point. Ask for wise counsel. In 1 Kings 12, Solomon's son, Rehoboam, Rehoboam, I'm not even sure if I'm saying that right, he took the throne, reigned as the king of Israel. This is, you know, so you have David, you have Solomon, you have Rehoboam. And so Rehoboam is the king, and and as he takes the throne, there's this huge issue that arises um, because Solomon had driven out this man named Jeroboam who was living in Egypt, and now he's come back. And the reason why Jeroboam was driven out was because you know, he was, he was an enemy of Solomon. Now he comes back in and he looks to Rehoboam and says, what you're going to do with me? You know, I'm going to lead a revolt. And the wise old men that counseled Solomon told Rehoboam, you should be gentle with Jeroboam. You should bring him in. You should be kind to him and make him your friend. But then Rehoboam went and found some younger guys, probably like me, and he was like, what should I do? And he was like, and they were like, you should tell them that my father, he pushed upon you with a finger, but my fingers are as thick as thighs, and I'm going to just 
destroy you. And it was, and that's what they, that was literally, it's in there. You can read it in 1 Kings 12. Um, strange passage. Um, but he, he tells, uh, the young men tell Rehoboam this, and, and, and Rehoboam, who does he side with in the council? He sides with the younger men instead of the wiser, elderly men. And when he makes that decision, it sets a domino effect that results in a civil war in Israel, the dividing of the kingdom, of Israel, the northern kingdom, and Judah, the southern kingdom, and eventually the fall of Israel and the exile into Babylon. When it comes to making decisions, seek God's will, but also ask wise counsel. Find older men and women who have walked through life, who have been where you have been, who have seen a lot happen under the sun. And ask them, what do they think about this situation? Proverbs 12, 15, uh, Solomon writes, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 19, 20 through 21, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. In Proverbs 28, 26, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. There are people in your life, in this room, who are wiser than you. People who've made mistakes and learned from them. People who've walked with Jesus for a very long time and who fear God and who have great advice to offer. Ask them. Talk to them. Uh, just a few weeks ago, my little brother called me to ask me for advice. I'm not sure if I'm the right guy for that, but he called me up and said, hey, I need some advice. I'm thinking about changing jobs. I have no idea if I gave him good advice, but he is wise to ask and seek counsel. I remember growing up talking with my dad, my mentors, and my closest friends when I was making the decision to propose to Emily. I wasn't sure if I should do it. I didn't know if it was God's will. I wasn't, and they helped me discern and to learn to see that this is what God had for me. I've gone to uh, Adam Jones and Ray Cortez, who are pastors at Seven Rivers, many times for wisdom, and they have offered me advice many times. And some of it's been good. <laughs> some of it. But let's focus on the good stuff, though. Some of the advice, though, has been difficult to hear and to trust because it doesn't make much sense to me. I can't see from their vantage point in my current state. But as I trust their counsel and just in faith go, they're just older, wiser than me. They've always been right. Always. With the decisions in your life, will you ask for counsel? My third point is, seek God's, you got seek God's kingdom, ask for wise counsel, and then in faith, trust God and do something. Just do something. So as you approach making decisions in your life, just when it gets down to it, just do it. Uh, Wayne Gretzky, you guys know what I'm about to say, right? Anyone? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. That's, that's gold right there. That's true. If you don't, if you don't flick the hockey puck, you're going to never score a goal. You're probably going to miss a lot of goals, but eventually, maybe one will go in. Often, making decisions, when you are seeking God's will, and when you're asking for wise counsel, you're going to be advised, 
and do things that make no sense in this world, that seem completely ludicrous to the world. When our church was prepping to do our, you know, every two years we do a one fund, a campaign to fund the next two years of ministry. We called it Let's Go this year. As we were prepping, we were meeting with a consultant who was coaching us on how to, how to make this happen, how to do this. And he said that the biggest problem you're going to face as you're sitting down with people and asking them to consider, to pray, to seek God's will about giving their money away for the kingdom of God, the biggest thing that's going to you're going to run into is they're going to say to you, they're going to say, hey, this is great. We love the church. We want to do this. We're already doing some of this, but we need to talk to who? Our financial advisor before we do anything, which is wise, completely wise. He's like, this is, this is good. They are smart, wise people. But he says, before they leave that meeting with you, just encourage them to, before they just go talk to their financial advisor, to actually pray and ask God, what's his will for their money? Because what's the financial advisor going to say when, when they go and they sit down with them? I mean, you're paying this person money to give you good financial advice. He's going to tell you, do not give your money away. You need to invest it into, you know, high, you know, interest, compounding interest. You need to make it multiply. You don't want to just give it away. You want to, if you have money that you want to give away, just put it into, you know, a Roth IRA, an ETF. Um, put it into some sort of index fund, and let's let it grow, and let's let your money work for you, okay? Th that's the financial advice as you should receive from someone who's a professional financial advisor. But God's word and Holy Spirit always presses on our hearts to give our money away to the poor, the needy, the orphans, and the widows, even when it seems completely ludicrous to the world, even though it appears financially as no interest, no compounding you know, multiplication back towards you. But for the kingdom, oh, it's eternal. When you seek God's kingdom, and when you ask for wise counsel, you're going to find that your life is going to look very different than your friends and your family members. For those who are young, when you're dating, you will wait to be intimate with your girlfriend and boyfriend for marriage because you're going to trust the wise counsel of those who have made mistakes and gone before you, and you're going to trust God's word. We have an intern this summer who just graduated from Florida State University with a degree in biology. And he has sought God's will for his life, and he has sought wise counsel. And you know where God is leading him? To do youth ministry? Not for Seven Rivers, though, but for, you know, somewhere else. He's interviewing across, uh, right now in Ocala, in Atlanta, with a biology degree to go to seminary and to do youth ministry. Seems completely ludicrous. Makes no sense. Don't, doesn't he know you can make so much more money in biology? <laughs> Sometimes you will seek God's and God's word, his will, and ask for wise counsel, and then you will still, and you'll go do something, and, and you'll, you'll, you'll execute that decision, and you'll still mess up, and you'll still miss the mark and do it wrong. Uh, just recently I was in a situation where I prayed about a decision I sought advice from wise men, and I felt like God was saying, go for it. Then I executed the decision, and in the process of doing it, I hurt people. But in the end, you know what happened? Because of the wise counsel, and because of God's word, and, and trusting in the Lord, it led to repentance. 
It led to apologies. It led to deeper connection and intimacy with this person. And it led to deeper connection and intimacy with God. It was God glorifying, even though it was a complete mess. <laughs> this is what Jeremiah is talking about, you know, in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. You guys know this verse. This is like Christian 101. For I know the plans I have for you, declares God. Plans for your welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. And often we interpret this you know, verse as like, this is God's sign and verse for me that I will prosper and my bank account is going to grow. But as you trust in the Lord, you will realize that God's plans of a hope and a future are for you to be closer to him, for you to lean more on him, for you to trust in him more. Seek God's kingdom. Seek wise counsel. Do something in faith. Because in doing that process, you are growing closer to the Father. There is no mistake that you're here this morning. It's been ordained, predestined for you to be here sitting in this room to hear this talk on Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. What decision do you need to make? What decisions are you facing? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And by his grace, through Jesus Christ, have full confidence that whatever decision you make, something beautiful will be made out of them. I think one of the reasons why we struggle uh, to make decisions is because when we were given the opportunity in Genesis 3, we experienced trauma, right? In the Garden of Eden, we were told not to eat of the tree of good and evil, and then we were tempted by the serpent, and then we made a decision to eat of that fruit, to disobey God, to break trust with God. And as a result, sin enters the story and forever alters human history and the children of man. And now we're all cursed, you and I. And to this day, you're affected by this. Paul writes in Romans 3, 10 through 11, we were just talking about seeking God's kingdom. In and of ourselves, Paul says, no one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, and no one seeks for God. There is no one in and of themselves that can make right decisions. It says that even your right decisions are like filthy rags before the Lord and his holiness and righteousness. In and of yourself, you are God's enemy, and you work against him, and you do not seek him, even if it's feeding the poor and the needy. If you're doing that for your own glory and so that you can be put on a newspaper, it's wicked. It's evil. Even though it's good. In Genesis 3, we see the consequences of sin enter the story by this decision made by Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. But that decision that they made is not more powerful than God. That doesn't control God. That doesn't thwart his plans. Even in Genesis 3, there's a verse in um, verse 15 that in the midst of the cursing, God says that from evil come a child that will crush the head of the serpent. Even though Adam and Eve have sinned, sin has no power over God and his plans. God's going to redeem all of those bad decisions. One of the best ways that the Holy Spirit has put on my heart to illustrate this for you is with Solomon, right? Do you know Solomon's story? Do you know where he comes from? 
He comes from a lineage of bad decisions. In 2 Samuel 11, the author um, of the Proverbs, Trust in the Lord, Solomon's father David, turns from God, does not seek God's kingdom, does not seek wise counsel, and makes a decision to what? To take Bathsheba, who's not his wife, and to sleep with her. And she becomes pregnant. And David continues in the bad decision-making by what? Killing her husband, And then the prophet Nathan comes, convicts David, and David repents and turns back to God. But Bathsheba and David's firstborn son dies. But David trusts God and leans on God. And they have another baby whose name is Solomon, the proverb writer. The Bible says, who is the wisest man to ever live? This proverb writer Solomon writes, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And it's through Bathsheba, through this sinful decision, that God brings forth the snake-crushing king, Jesus, who in the Garden of Gethsemane is offered another decision. He prays to the Father, if there's any other way for this cup to pass, let it pass. But then he says, not my will, Father, but yours be done. Jesus' lineage ancestry is a line of wrong decisions. But when he dies and resurrects and ascends and sits at the right hand of God, he redeems all of those decisions. He makes straight our paths. It is in the trusting in Jesus that Every single decision that you have ever made will be redeemed. The ones that you're proud of and the ones you regret will be redeemed. And it frees Paul up to write in Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those who trust in God with their lives and decisions. For those who trust in God with their lives and decisions. God will redeem it all. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for your word this morning. Thank you for the story of Solomon. Thank you for... um, Thank you for helping us, helping me um, many times as I've struggled to make decisions and been anxious and worried. Um, I pray that you will help us um, in our 35,000 decisions we have to make today um, to honor you and to glorify you um, and to trust in you. We love you, Father, and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on this podcast, a production of Seven Rivers Villages Church in Wildwood, Florida. Learn more at sevenriversvillages.org.